Welcome to the Skillset Podcast, brought to you by the School of Information Science at the University of South Carolina and Publishers Weekly. I'm David Lankis, Professor and Director of the School. Dr. Noah Lundstra is an Assistant Professor of Library and Information Science in the School of Education at the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. Noah takes a community engagement approach to the study and teaching of libraries. His current research focus is on how public libraries support health and wellness through programs and partnerships. He teaches in the area of community informatics, project management, and foundations of library and information science. Notably, Noah founded the Let's Move in Libraries initiative, which focuses on supportive, healthy living in public libraries. The project was inspired by former First Lady Michelle Obama's Let's Move initiative, which focused on increasing healthy eating and active learning, HEAL, among Americans. Mrs. Obama worked to increase physical activity through museums. The initiative continues her legacy by working to increase physical activity through libraries in the U.S., Canada, and other places in the world. This podcast is part of our Collective Care series. So welcome to Skillset. I am joined today by Dr. Noah Lenstra, who is at the University of North Carolina Greensboro uh, and teaches in their Library and Information Science graduate program and is also the founder of Let's Move in Libraries. And so, Noah, it is a pleasure to have you here today and thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me. Absolutely. So as you know, we're talking about collective care uh, for yeah. this series. And before we move explicitly into talking about your work and how you feel like it fits in with collective care and also self-care, can you mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about yourself and your path uh, to UNCG and your work with within library and information science? Yeah, so uh, like all stories of that nature, this long and convoluted. So um, I'll try to uh, give the highlights. Uh, so um, uh, I grew up in uh, rural Illinois um, and came to the University of Illinois uh, for undergraduate, uh, and then simply stayed around for ten years, uh, <laughs> earning my master's of library and information science, uh, and then my PhD. Um, and uh, as I did my PhD, um, I was doing a lot of work uh, with with churches and, and senior centers and, and public libraries, um, and really just thinking about kind of um, how how different different sectors of local communities kind of offer um, overlapping um, and in some cases redundant services, uh, particularly for older adults, um, uh, which led me to really think about kind of. Um, yeah, this question of kind of um, alignment, uh, uh, what what are the ways, mechanisms that librarians use to align what they're doing uh, in relation to what others are doing. Um, uh, and so that's that's been kind of the, the idea that I've been pursuing. Um, uh, and so um, like conventional story, finished my PhD, uh, very luckily uh, received this position at UNCG, um, uh, University of North Carolina at Greensboro. Um, and as I as I thought about where I wanted to focus my time, um, uh, I, I really thought a lot about uh, just uh, when I when I did my work in senior centers, um, I was looking at how they support digital inclusion. They have computer labs, uh, their computer setup is 
in many ways almost identical to what you would see in a public library, but senior centers also do uh, a lot of um, other things. They, um, they, uh, they have uh, dance classes and, and fitness classes and quilting classes, and of course we see a lot of quilting and crafts in libraries as well. And, and really, uh, the more I thought about it, the more almost anything that you see in a senior center, you can also see um, in a public library. Um, and so that was really the seed of um, Let's Move in Libraries, really thinking about um, how, how libraries can get involved um, in, in the promotion of physical health. Um, uh, and then that, that kind of, uh, as, as I went down that rabbit hole, <laughs> It took on many, many different uh, directions. Uh, so most recently, uh, last summer, um, after giving this a lot of thought, uh, I had been looking really closely at gardening, so libraries that have community gardens. Um, mm -hmm. uh, obviously a form of physical activity and, and engagement in nature, but uh, really thinking about that and talking with librarians um, really led to the expansion of, of the, the initiative to encompass not only physical activity, but also food um, and food access. Um, is kind of uh, so how we how we move and what we put in our bodies are kind of the cornerstones of, of physical health um, um, and and really just a, a more general kind of theoretical ideas that uh, I think we don't have enough conversations about uh, about physical bodies um, and LIS um, there's the old uh, stereotype uh, exercise your your mind go to a library exercise your body go to a gym um, and I think um, yeah so I think it's just a it's just a gap in our, our collective understanding of libraries and something that I don't think is is talked about as as, as much as it as it could be or should be um, so that's that's kind of my journey in a very very short summary um, but um, yeah thank you yeah great thank you so much so moving uh and building on what you were just saying can you talk a little bit more about your perceptions of self-care versus collective mm -hmm. care and why that is actually something that we should be concerned with in library yeah. no I, I really like that question and i i really love that framing and it's actually something i've i've thought a lot about um before the pandemic um, happened, um, I was actually uh, going to give uh, uh, a paper at ALA Annual in Chicago, um, and the name of that paper was uh, Take Care of Ourselves, Take Care of Our Communities. Um, Great. Uh, really focused on how um, workplace wellness and, and workplace wellness initiatives uh, can really transform and, and often do transform into kind of uh, public programming opportunities. Um, and so, uh, so really, when I think of collective care, that's that's what I think of. Like um, thinking about how how libraries, uh, its institutions, can not only uh, obviously uh, first start by taking care of their staff um, and making sure that their staff are are cared for um, and feel like they they're they're cared for. But then um, when that happens, uh, what I found uh, in my research is that almost naturally just leads to, hey, if we're taking care of ourselves, then why don't we just <laughs> extend this to the public? Um, and, and just uh, to give a really concrete example, so here in North Carolina, uh, the High Point Public Library, uh, it's a city institution, um, and the city of High Point has um, uh, a workplace wellness coordinator, so someone who works for the city. Um, and, and pretty quickly after this person was hired, um, everyone in the in the town government agreed that the public library was the perfect place to do these these classes they have them they have the space um so it initially was just work like wellness classes for city staff so anyone who worked for the city of high point come down to the high point library 
uh, and and pretty quickly on that, like, hey, we have we have enough meeting room to open these to the public, so why don't we just do that? Um, and uh, and I mean, just countless examples like that. Like I was, and even during COVID. So just to give a, an example from uh, Texas, I came across recently. Um, they recently opened up a little outdoor park space in front of the Sherman Public Library. Um, and the initial idea was to create an outdoor space for employees, so a space for employees to go and take their breaks and engage nature. Um, but the, again, it's like, well, if we're going to do this for staff, why not just open it up to the entire public? And, and they did. Um, and so I think uh, when I think of collective care, it's really about having a conversation about how, uh, yeah, thinking of the collective. What is the collective? Uh, is it just library staff or is it the entire community? And, and where's the boundary between staff and community? If we talk about staff being embedded in the community, does it even make sense to talk about that distinction or does that kind of fall apart the closer we look at it? So that's, that's kind of what comes to my mind when I think of collective care. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And, you know, to your point, I, I, I'm pretty sure, you know, that we both we have a similar approach uh, in our teaching and we talk to our aspiring information specialists and librarians about, you know, being part of the community that they serve. Right. And we talk about having a, a library workforce that reflects the community that they serve. So to your point, it is a very blurry line if it should be a line at all about if we're taking care of the community our staff is part of that community and so therefore we should be uh, taking care of them as well so yeah um, I, I really appreciate uh, that distinction about you know should there even be a point in between uh, library staff and and their communities so mm -hmm. following up on that um, I would like to talk to you a little bit about Let's Move in Libraries. And you have a newsletter, you have a social media presence. And what I really love about what you do with this is similar to what you just did in your previous response, pointing out different libraries and pointing out, you know, this library is doing this wonderful thing and another library is doing something else that's equally great. And it's great mm -hmm. to see libraries doing different things. And I think one of the things that I think is um, really significant is that there is no one right way for mm -hmm. yeah. a library to engage in this type of activity and engagement. Uh, and they're doing what works for them and what works for yeah their community. So if you could talk to us about uh, Let's Move in Libraries and how that started, how it's going. Yeah, so thank you and, and thanks for those kind words uh, about the initiative. Um, and I, I completely agree. Um, there is no one size fits all. Um, and uh, and just to kind of start start in the present, that's actually been, so I've been, uh, as, as the project has kind of evolved, I've, I've started to try to get more uh, integrated into, into public health conversations that are talking about similar topics, so community-based health, community-based health interventions. Um, and one of the, the sometimes sources of frustration or misunderstanding uh, when I talk with public health uh, researchers and policymakers um, is that they kind of have the mindset of, evidence-based program. So you develop an evidence-based program and then you kind of lockstep, <laughs> take it to different places around the country. And I'm like, that's not how this works at all. Like uh, <laughs> you can have an evidence-based program, but you really have to tailor it to the uniqueness of the particular place. Um, and so to give an example of that kind of customization um, that happens that I love and it's amazing, 
So right now I'm, I'm working uh, with one of my graduate students on a case study of Wilkes County, North Carolina, um, and like, like uh, literally uh, hundreds if not thousands of other libraries, they participate in the U.S. Department of Agriculture Summer Feeding Program. So their library um, is a site where um, uh, anyone under the age of 18 uh, can get a, a free meal at the library. Um, and they were routinely pre-COVID giving away about 60 meals a day through this, this program where the, the food was coming from the school district. Um, but it, it wasn't kind of like the library was not just a passive site in this. It wasn't just like, hey, let's just have the library serve meals and that was the end of it. Um, so the, the librarian um, really customized it to the particularities of her community. Um, uh, and, and initially, like, uh, um, yeah, so initially the, 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 the standard summer feeding program that had many sites throughout Wilkes, Wilkes County, it was only for June and July, hmm. because that's all the capacity that the school district had. Uh, then they had to start getting ready for <laughs> fall. And so there was a gap in August, like there was a gap of a few weeks where the summer feeding program ended um, and before the school began. Um, and so the library director said, this is not acceptable. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so what, what can I do to, to fill in this gap? Uh, so Wilkes County is a rural area um, and so she, that has a lot of farmers. So she actually uh, was able to broker an arrangement between local farmers and local businesses mm -hmm. for the two weeks in August, wherein uh, farmers donated produce to businesses um, and, and exchanged businesses prepared meals that were served at the library. Um, and so sometimes the businesses use the, the locally grown produce, other times they just serve that, that produce as part of their regular repertoire mm -hmm. and then prepared other things. But the, the basic thing was like the library, it, it became part of this national program, but dramatically changed it based on kind of um, uh, what she saw. And just to give a quick uh, coda to that story, um, uh, the, the food that was being served in August was dramatically superior to the food that was being <laughs> served in July. Um, yeah. And so the library director, she went back to the school district and said, look, we're, we're seeing a lot of food waste. Kids are not eating all of this. They're throwing it out. Like, um, so I'm going to pull out of this program. I'm going to leave the, the summer feeding program unless you all in, in, increase the quality of your food. Um, and they did. They increased the quality of their food because the library was literally the largest meal provider in the entire county. So they need those numbers. Like the school district gets a substantial amount of funding for, for this program. And for the library to drop out, it would <laughs> really impact their bottom line. Um, and so this is a, a perfect example of a library. It's not a passive site for kind of whatever national, I don't know, whatever you want to do, like the library and 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 the uh, and the best case is really an advocate for the community. Um, uh, yeah, so just uh, and really working to integrate um, whatever happens into whatever whatever is going on around it. So um, yeah, I, I just really I so I've been I've been kind of writing up that that story right now, and it's just um, I think it's just a perfect illustration of the kind of customization. We'll return to our interview in just a moment. First. I'd like to tell you about our sponsor for the podcast, the School of Information Science at the University of South Carolina. Interested in librarianship? Then join a nationally ranked program with over a quarter century of experience educating leaders in the field online. From the State Library of Vermont to San Francisco to the Business Library of Oxford University, our graduates lead in schools, cities, and states around the U.S. and beyond. Now, let's get back to our interview. 
And just, just one other quick thing I'll say about that case study. Um, I think so, so, so often when we talk about libraries kind of taking on new things, whether it's having social workers or summer meals or blah, 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 blah. Like so often the discourse says that all of these things are being dumped on libraries. Like libraries are kind of just a receptacle for whatever, whatever is not being taken care of elsewhere. So just dump it on the library and they'll take care of it. Um, and I think this story to me really illustrates a, a different approach where you instead have librarians as active agents proactively getting ahead of, of issues in the community um, and, and thoughtfully working with partners to address them rather than simply reacting to, yeah, um, so that it's a more proactive rather than a reactive approach to, to community needs and, and, and the transformation of the library. Yeah, that's an amazing example and I can't wait to read that case study. And it just, you know, goes to uh, emphasize this point where, you know, when we talk about even social justice in libraries and there's food justice, there's economic justice, there's health justice, there's just so many ways that uh, we as LIS professionals can engage with trying to rectify inequities. And this is just a perfect example um, of a library doing that and doing that in a way that benefits their specific community. And when we talk to students and practitioners about action um, for social justice and diversity, equity, and inclusion work and the like, you know, a lot of times uh, the question will come back and say, well, I don't know how to do that. Um, and this is a really concrete example, as you say, of how you can do that. And again, as we mentioned previously, there is no one right way to mm -hmm. proactive and to engage in action. So the, mm -hmm. you know, the director that you uh, mentioned saw the need and she went for it. And I, and I think mm -hmm. that's really admirable and I, and I love to see it. Yeah, yeah, and she wasn't alone. So I'll just add that like she really, she really did do this kind of like in close collaboration. Um, I mean, the school district was sometimes an antagonist, but usually a collaborator. <laughs> it was the local health department. There was a community foundation. I mean, it was really, it really was kind of a collective uh, endeavor, which mm -hmm. I think it, it wasn't just the librarian kind of sure. <laughs> going rogue. <laughs> yes, Although that's one of the big. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Although we do like rogue librarians, but yeah, yeah <laughs> a, a great example um, also of the community partnerships that we try to encourage and, and make sure that uh, students and practitioners are aware of. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what's next uh, for mm -hmm. Let's Move in Libraries uh, for mm -hmm. this line of inquiry that uh, you're engaging with? Yeah, so that's a that's a great question. Um, and so um, I really think so. I don't know where. I mean, it's it's still first of all, let me just say it's still difficult to think about the future and kind of this COVID nineteen context. Um, um, but I would say kind of um, over the last uh, six months, um, as I've kind of been talking with librarians and and staying abreast or trying to stay abreast of what's been happening. Um, I've been really seeing uh, a lot of emphasis on uh, engagement in outdoor spaces, um, engagement, promoting, um, yeah, getting outside, getting into nature. Um, so that's, that's I, I mean, I think for at least the foreseeable future, that's really where um, I, I think we're going to really focus, because I think it's, it's kind of a gap. I mean, there's been such a focus on virtual programming, which, of course, is important um, and necessary, but I think it's... Um, 
it's what, what's not being, uh, what's, what's kind of missing from the discourse is, uh, is a focus on how, how public librarians have really thought about engagement in outdoor spaces um, uh, in a safe kind of socially distant way, whether it's uh, the explosive growth of story walks um, mm. or libraries kind of shutting down. Uh, so I, I love this example in Brooklyn. <laughs> in Brooklyn, New York, um, uh, uh, every Wednesday um, during the month of October, um, I can't, one of the branches actually shut down the street in front of the library. So, and they did like, so they had like kind of outdoor stations. So set up so that uh, people could come in and, and be safe and socially distant, but still kind of engage in, in some, some programming opportunities. So I think it was called outside at the library. So that's, that's really where I think uh, the future, at least uh, the, I mean, I have some long-term goals, but I think with COVID-19 and who knows where this is going to go, I think yeah, we're really going to focus in on kind of engagement in outdoor and outdoor spaces and, and how libraries can play a role in helping people unplug and go look at birds or what have you or just go for a hike or <laughs> yeah take a take a walk in the park and, and read some stories along the way or what have you mm. those types of things yeah excellent so, so yeah, I have a garden yeah, <laughs> yeah sorry yeah. yeah yeah excellent thank you so how do you unplug then and how do you engage in self-care yeah. Yeah, so um, I mean, there's a couple of strategies. I mean, probably the main one is running. Um, so I, uh, I'm a, I'm a runner, not a lifelong runner. I actually started running when I um, was working on my dissertation and, and needed to find something new. Um, so, uh, but I run pretty regularly. I, I kind of, I try to hike. Uh, that was definitely one of the reasons why North Carolina was attractive to me. Um, yeah. <laughs> lots of, lots of opportunities for engagement in the outdoors, uh, both both in the urban environment as well as uh, uh, getting a little bit further into the mountains or, or beaches. So love kind of being outside um, and yeah, being active outside are probably the main ways that I, I unplug. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. We, ha we have to do it for ourselves um, in addition to encouraging others to do it. Um, before I ask you uh, the concluding question, is there anything uh, that you would like the audience to know or anything that you would like to emphasize that perhaps I have not asked or we haven't touched on in our conversation? Um, I, I guess the only the only thing that I want to add is just uh, if I've been doing this this work since 2016, I mean it really would not be possible at all without the extraordinary generosity of of public librarians who've uh, shared their time, uh, have been so excited to share with me kind of the innovations that they're trying to do, um, and so really I would just say everything that I've done is really. Um, it's really a reflection. Like I try to amplify the voices of librarians who may not have the time or even, yeah, how to, how to get their story out. Uh, but it's just really like everything that I do is really just a function of of what public librarians are already doing. And I just really feel I'm very privileged to be in a position where I can um, amplify uh, the efforts and voices of of public librarians who are instead uh, spending their time working uh, very closely with, with their communities and, and very much at working at the grassroots level. Yeah, no, that's an amazing point. Thank you for that. So finally, uh, what gives you hope? Mm -hmm. And that could be in a general sense, that could be uh, in these COVID times, it could be yeah. for libraries. 
Yeah, so that's that's a that's a great question. Um, so just to double back from the beginning, so growing up in a rural uh, area, which um, much to my chagrin and disappointment, um, has voted for Trump in, in both the, the 2016 and 2020 elections. Um, uh, and I think about rural America um, and, and red versus blue America. Um, I think what gives me hope is just thinking about uh, not, uh, so again, not in all cases, but just uh, this, this kind of force of progressivism, uh, which is America's public libraries, which are <laughs> in all, all parts of the country. Um, and even, even in, in a place like Oklahoma, which um, if you look at the map of Oklahoma, literally the entire map is, is red. There is no blue counties uh, in the entire state in the 2020 election. Um, and even even in these these uh, these very red parts of the country, um, uh, I think what gives me hope is thinking about the the public librarians um, that are um, yeah providing in many cases an alternative um, providing uh, a space for people to uh, get out of their their boxes and and just on the flip side, I think it's true for urban America as well. I think there's a lot of uh, misconceptions about rural America and urban America and right. and libraries. Uh, I think just what gives me hope is this idea that libraries can can be um, that space to yeah I mean to build uh, social capital to to kind of um, erode divisiveness and and really create platforms for building shared understanding and and empathy um, and um, yeah just just bringing people together for. Uh, a yoga class and in the process of just doing that together people people get to know each other and, and may form friendships that they otherwise would not have and so that i don't know those are those are just just the potential of libraries to in, in small ways and in large ways kind of erode these corrosive divides that we seem to find all around us right now mm-hmm. yeah no that's a beautiful answer thank you so would you give your uh, web address uh, for Let's Move in Libraries and, and also to let the audience know that you have a newsletter and if they want to follow and uh, hear more about some of these uh, wonderful examples of libraries, how, how can they do that? Yeah, so um, the easiest way to get to the website is just uh, type into your browser, letsmoveinlibraries.org. Um, that will redirect to letsmovelibraries.org, but you can just type in letsmoveinlibraries.org and, and that'll, that'll pull up the website. Um, and uh, we, uh, it's, uh, we do have social media, the Facebook, the Twitter, Instagram, uh, which is primarily used to kind of share just examples of innovations um, uh, on a kind of uh, an ongoing basis. And then um, we do have our monthly newsletter, which if you click on About Us uh, uh, on the webpage, you can sign up for the newsletter. Um, and uh, it's, uh, I've been really thrilled to see now we're up to about 2,900 subscribers to the newsletter. So um, uh, I try to uh, every month um, have my uh, advisory board take a look at it. Um, and uh, yeah, so we try to try to keep it uh, up to date and curated. And so yeah, please uh, please feel free to uh, get connected um, if you're if you're interested in, in what you've heard today. All right. Thank you so very much. Uh, It is uh, wonderful to hear about your work. And thank you so much for uh, being that advocate and amplifying uh, the amazing work that's happening in public libraries around the country. So, Dr. Lindstra, thank you so much for joining us today.
Yeah, thank you. Thanks, thanks for having me, uh, Dr. Cook. And yeah, um, uh, thanks. Uh, look forward to hearing uh, all the other interviews as well. Absolutely. Thank you.